you're listening to the We Speak Common Podcast Network. For more information and to support the show, head to wespeakcommon.com. This week on a bonus episode of We Speak Common, I'm joined by Ray from Running Off the Rails to talk about one D&D. Not just what's been released, not just what we think about it, but a free-flowing conversation unlike any you've heard on the internet so far. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello and welcome to a brand new bonus episode of the D&D podcast for everyone because here we speak common. This is a uh, rather sort of last minute extra episode where we're just going to sit down and have a chat about some stuff that I think you're going to find interesting if you haven't delved into it yet or maybe you have because let's face it everybody's bloody talking about it Uh, but of course as always this is the podcast brought to you in partnership with the dice dungeon and describe two wonderful partners who have been with us for a long time Uh, because this is a bonus episode i'm not going to do the whole rigmarole if you're a regular listener you know how great both of these these guys are i talk about them as if they're singular people (laughs) there's multiple people behind both entities but go and check them out there's uh, links in the description below uh, with discount codes for dice dungeon we speak common is the discount code for describe the word common is the discount code go and check them out support them you're supporting us and um that's it that's all we're going to say about them because they're wonderful people but this is a bonus informal episode so i'm gonna i'm gonna jump right into the conversation here so Without further ado, I would like to introduce my friend and yours, Mr. Ray. Hello, Ray. Hello, Ben. It is good to be here on a bonus episode. <laughs> did you like that? Did you? Was that? Enjoyable? I did. I did. I was. It, I was saving it up. Okay. It's been. It's been um, a few days since I've recorded, so I think I've probably got a lot of that kind of pent up energy. Mm. <laughs> um, so we're gonna we're gonna delve into something here that um everybody is talking about at the moment for obvious reasons and i specifically well we we were talking about it the other night and i went do you know what we should just record this conversation because we're gonna have this conversation anyway someone might find it interesting um but i specifically said everybody is having this conversation at the moment on the internet so let's just do it as a bonus episode because i know for me i wouldn't want to listen to the same conversation like six times um so it's just going to be a chat about, have you guessed it yet? One D&D. Uh, and the reason it's me and Ray is because one, we started talking about it and I went, I should probably record a conversation like this. And Ray went, can I do that, please? Because <laughs> I'm enjoying talking about this thing. <laughs> exactly. And I went, yeah, absolutely. Of course, mate. Um, and the other reason as well is because Ray, you have your own D&D podcast, don't you? That is correct, Ben. I uh, host Running Off the Rails, which is uh, another D&D podcast, a little bit indifferent, uh, a little bit of a different format than Ben's show, but certainly inspired by, because uh, I was a huge fan of your show, uh, and you inspired me to forge out and create my own podcast. Um, and thank you so much for bringing it up, Ben, because instead of doing a conversation about one D&D on that show, I'm doing it here, because yes. I feel like this conversation topic is just getting barely, it's just getting totally overblown in my Mm. opinion i think that Mm. a lot of people are making a big deal out of nothing and 
I'm not sure, maybe you've changed your mind in the last couple of days, Ben, but the conversation that I think we'll probably have is, hey, everybody, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> I actually think it's the end of the world. I think D&D will never be the same again. And, and the whole thing has been ruined. Um, no. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I think what, what, what we should say here as well is, because I want to just dive into things. This is literally just going to be a conversation. We haven't structured this. We're just going to kind of talk and get our thoughts and feelings out. So we might jump around a bit. So bear with us. But there's, there's a lot to talk about in the sense that there's not a lot out there for 1D&D just yet, yep. but there's a lot of things to kind of put through your mind and think about. So we're probably going to find things that we didn't think we were going to talk about as we're talking. As, as a normal human conversation goes, you know how it is. Uh, but I would agree with you that there's, there's just a lot of hubbub at the moment. Um, I think maybe the best place to start is to talk about how we feel. Um, just very briefly, not, not too deeply, because I know for, for me, I started off a bit apprehensive. I was a bit like, okay, I knew this was coming. We knew a new iteration, new edition, whatever, whatever they want to call it, or they called it originally was going to be coming and we would be getting playtest materials eventually. Um, so we knew it was coming and I kind of just like, I, I, I read through it. I, went over the announcement and my initial kind of reaction was, uh, this is going to be different. It's going to replace everything. It's going to undo. It's, it's going to be, it's going to affect me was kind of my feeling. Like I, mm. without going too deeply, I felt like this is going to affect everything that I do in D and D. And one of the things I felt, which I'm sure we'll get into later was that, um, the whole backwards compatibility thing was going to only be for adventures and get rid of all of the other source books, which because they weren't being specific about how it would be backwards compatible, except for adventures being mentioned. So I was a bit concerned. However, having now had a few conversations, read, reread, read again, the stuff, gone through it and seen some things online, I'm feeling a lot better. And I think my general thing is that every time I talk about it or I think about it more, I feel better about it. So I'll probably end this episode feeling more optimistic than I feel right now, which isn't unoptimistic, isn't pessimistic. So that's kind of my, my stance right now. How are you feeling? I was really afraid when they announced a new edition that mm. they were going to take Dungeons and Dragons in a direction that was uh, very antithetical to what I felt Dungeons and Dragons kind of like is and does differently from other role playing games, uh, other role playing game options that exist out there. Uh, there's been a lot of trends to create these really accessible RPGs, right? The Fates system, there's the Apocalypse system, which has a bunch of games built on top of it. We saw Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, that RPG get released in maybe like the last year. And we're seeing this, we're seeing this huge push towards uh, narrative RPGs, tabletop RPGs that are very rules light, um, have a lot more emphasis on improv, just deciding that certain things are happening like as they come to your mind, um, which is 
which breaks a little bit out of Dungeons and Dragons. One of the things I really appreciate about appreciate about Dungeons and Dragons is there are a lot of rules and guardrails that stop someone from just saying, you know what, I decided that I want to behead the dragon. I think that would be really cool and really thematic. So I don't care that it has 100 hit points left. I decide that I slice its head off. And that's just not what I play Dungeons and Dragons for, right? That That's a really cool story element in maybe another game, but not what I come to. Like, I, I want it to be really hard from like a math perspective, from a tactics perspective, from a strategy mm. perspective. I want the decisions that I make when I'm building my character from a mechanics perspective to really matter in battle. Um, so I was when they announced uh, 5.5, I thought for sure they were going to release something that I was referring to as like Dungeons and Dragons light, uh, something that was going to be all of the uh, dressing of Dungeons and Dragons, all of the flavor of Dungeons and Dragons and like one eighth of the rules. Like, uh, yep, we're, we're cutting the spell list. There's only five spells now. You know, there's Fireball uh, and there's uh, Misty Step. And, mm-hmm. and like, we're getting rid of all those extra spells because that's too much for players to have to read. And I was so impressed with one D&D uh, in a way that I haven't been impressed with what I haven't. I haven't really been buying any Wizards content because I haven't been impressed by it. I've been more and more um, going to third party products uh, as people who are innovating in the space and solving the problems that exist with Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition in really interesting ways, right? Like MCDM's Flea Mortals, the things that they're doing with core, the way that monsters are written uh, just at like a core fundamental level is really innovative, really, really compelling. That's that's kind of I was going to them for that type of content. Now, for the first time with this release of this one D&D, I'm really hopeful that Wizards just really gets it. There's some themes that I've witnessed in this document. It's a pretty comprehensive document um, that if they continue along these this paradigm, this this line of reasoning for the way that they're going to patch other things that exist in the core system. I think it's I think it's going to be great. I don't think we're going to lose really much of anything that makes Dungeons and Dragons what it is. And it's going to make the game flow way easier for especially new players, but also for dungeon masters that know exactly what they're doing, for players Mm. that know exactly what they're doing and can make a character in their sleep. Uh, Like giving up these weird background features, for example, I won't go too deep, but like one of the things that they did was, hey, instead of choosing some weird random background that has this three paragraph long ability that you're never going to use in the game because it's hyper specific, just choose a feat. Choose a first level feat. Uh, we're going to make it so that you can't choose from all the feats because some of the feats are really good and don't really make sense on a first level character. But we're going to we're going to give you some really good feats that you'll get to use every session that will make your cleric feel different from the level one cleric that's right next to you that picked the same domain. 
Yeah. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, first of all, it's nice to hear the optimism. I think especially having floated around the internet for the last couple of days, there's a Ooh, lot it of- is. It's yeah. toxic out there, Ben. You gotta, yeah, gotta watch I, out. It's dangerous. <laughs> and to be fair, like, and I'll, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate because there's a lot of criticism for Watsi at the moment for their, um, uh, the current products that are coming out have been lackluster. Mm-hmm. I think, and I, I don't think that's derivative or divisive to say. I think that's that pretty much sums up how a lot of people are feeling in a very simple way. And I can't disagree with it in, for many aspects. There are some places where I think people are being harsh, but I can't disagree with it. And so that's out there. And then you get this announcement. And so, I mean, people love to have an opinion, right? People love to have a soapbox and stand on it. And I think that's, that's fine, but there's a lot of that going on. Um, something that I find really interesting while, while we've been talking already, we've already said things like, Oh, it's an addition or oh, 5.5 or whatever. I saw someone point out online. I think it might, might even just been like a random TikToker. Apparently there's D&D shows on TikTok now. Who knew? Um, that wizards haven't referred to Dungeons and Dragons as fifth edition for years. If you go back and you look, they, they have scrubbed fifth edition. Um, it is just Dungeons and Dragons. It used to be fifth edition of the world's greatest role-playing game. It's just Dungeons and Dragons, the world's greatest role-playing game. That's the tagline. That's what it is. And that has ticked something in my brain. As soon as I realized that, as soon as someone said that and I went and saw that, it clicked in my head because the whole time this announcement came out, originally when they, when they said, oh, we're working on something that'll be out in 2024. And they were like, it's not an addition, it's a new iteration. I was like, well, what the, what the fuck does that mean? Come mm-hmm. on, pull your finger out, give us some, something a bit more real to work with. And I get it now because I think the plan here, and I, I, I'm pretty sure is that we're not going into a world where we're ever going to get sixth edition. We're not going to a world where we're ever going to get seventh or eighth or God forbid ninth. We're going into a world where Dungeons and Dragons is it. Is it. This, uh, what do you play? Oh, I play Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, cool. Okay. What do you play? Um, oh, well, I used to play the old second edition. And then now that they've got, now that it's like just Dungeons and Dragons and they update it over time, like it's, I just play Dungeons and Dragons. There's no, oh, I play fifth edition. I play third edition. I mean, that'll still exist because people do play those. But the fact that they're trying to create, or I think they're trying to create just a, a, an all round one thing and not have this confusion, which I don't think ever really existed as someone who's been in the space for a long time, but for new people, obviously. And that's something, this whole thing is geared towards bringing in new people, right? You and I are not the target audience. It's the one thing I always say. We are not the, we're, we're not the stakeholders here. It's the new people they're trying to bring in that, that they're trying to appeal to. And so for new players and new DMs, like, oh, I'm going to play. I, I've really, I've, I always say this. People always go, oh, I really want to try d I've always wanted to try it, but I've never, never really known what I'm doing or where to start. And I'm like, Oh yeah, well I can help you out of that. But then if I put myself in their shoes and I go, hmm, when I got into D&D, I went on the internet and I went, huh, Dungeons and Dragons. And then it's like first edition, second edition, third edition, fourth edition. I'm like, well, what am I doing? What, what one do I want? How do I pick one? Where do I start? Where do I go? Um, and the way wizards get around that is they release a new edition and they go, hey, it's new. Join us now while it's all fresh and there's not much to worry about. 
They get rid of all that. Um, your point about worrying about it being dumbed down simple, I totally understand that. That was a fear of mine. I think the I think what you're trying to say, what you were saying, is that you like the game element of D&D. As much as you and I in our groups, we play for the story and the narrative, we still like that there's a game there and that we can have plans and I can have plans as DM, you guys can have plans as the characters, but we still don't know what's going to happen because we roll the dice and and it's a bit swingy. Um, And that's something you're going to hear a lot. It's swingy. I like the swinginess. I will stand on that soapbox. Um, So, you know, I get that. I totally get that. It's why I'm, I'm attracted to things like Lancer and The Witcher and all those kind of games rather than the ones you mentioned, like the Fate System or, God forbid, the Avatar game, which I just don't want to touch with a barge pole. So, <laughs> you know, I read that book and was like, yeah, no, this isn't for me. And that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. It's just yeah. not for me. In the same way that I don't like dice pool games, I like I like games with numbers, even though I'm not very good at maths. So, yeah, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. I think we shared similar fears. Um, and I think your opinion on one D&D, although further ahead than me, is where I'm heading. It's not where I'm at right now. I'm still cautious about it. Um, and I think I will remain that way until I have the thing in my hands that I'm playing it completed and I can really form an opinion. Um, which is such a cop-out, isn't it? That's, it's like, come on, Ben, tell us what you think. I'll tell you what I think, but again, my opinion will change when I've seen the finished thing. Um, but I think I'm getting there. I think I'm looking more, more in your way. And I reserve that opinion too, right? I'm someone who has, I think in the past, been maybe even more critical of Wizards of the Coast, historically, mm. at least in our, com- our private conversations, <laughs> than... <laughs> than uh, <laughs> than I think everybody in our group. Mm. Um, I'm the doom and gloom guy, you know, like I'm the one who said, like, I'm going to switch to another game. Like it's going to happen eventually. MCDM is going to come out with their own RPG. I'm switching. I'm not sticking around for 5.5. And and I'm just so impressed by by this this one D&D that they came out with. They they addressed some problems that I think are super nuanced are problems mm. that I didn't even think that Wizards of the Coast had on their radar. I thought yeah. it was just us like power users, us D&D like nuts that mm. were concerned about the nuances of um, not letting your players roll for ability checks where a nat 20 isn't going to be a success for them, right? Mm. Like that is that is a thing that I have run into the like that I I do and feel because I had a player at my table say like I want to persuade these royal guards to let me into the throne room with my sword and shield. And I was like, okay, fine, roll a persuasion check. Boom, natural 20. And it's and then I made the mistake of like like okay well they're letting you in but they're asking for a bribe and then the player was like well i rolled a natural 20 so like i'm not going to give into the bribe and then before you know it their weapons are taken away from them and i have an upset player because they rolled a natural 20 on something that i asked them to roll for and and i didn't give it to them right Mm. and that is something that has existed for all time at least now the game 
at least in one D&D, is explicit. It's saying dungeon masters. If your players roll a 20, it succeeds, even if it's an ability check. Mm. And dungeon masters are like, whoa, well, now they can seduce the dragon. And it's like, no, this problem always existed. You were just not DMing well when your players rolled natural 20s on things that you let them roll for that you weren't going to give to them regardless of what they rolled. Yeah. So I think there's two things here, right? The thing I keep seeing is people saying, oh, they've made it official that the biggest home rule that everybody uses. And I have actually never used that home rule ever. Right. right. I, for me, I, it has never been a case that if you roll a 20, you succeed. For me, right. it has always been, if you beat the DC, you succeed. Right. And, and my players know that, which is great. They know if they get a 20, they can be like, oh my God, I've got, I got a really good number. So there's a good chance here. But if they fail, they still fail, right? Um, right. And I, I, I get that that's, I get why people don't like that. Cause like, well, why, why would you make them roll if they've rolled the highest number and they can't succeed? And I'm like, well, because it's not as straight for me as someone who runs for narrative. It's not as straight as, well, the DC's 30 and they can only roll a 25. So they're not going to succeed. So I won't ask them to roll. If a player says to me, Ben, I really want to, I want to, I want to try and do this thing. Um, I'm trying to achieve this and uh, by doing this and, or if they're like, I want to try something, if they really want to roll the die, me saying, well, there's no point is going to ruin it for them. So my opinion has always been saying, okay, what are you trying to do? And what is the effect you're trying to achieve? Get that from them and then say, okay, try this check and I'll have a DC, right? If they get a 20 and they still can't succeed, that doesn't mean it's just, oh, well you did it, but nothing happened. Like, okay, you're trying to, to, let's use your example, get the, yep. seduce the guard to go in, right? Okay, fine. You, and maybe I've decided that this is absolutely not possible because of some, some other thing that's happening in the game right now, but they want to try. They try, they get a 20, they don't succeed because the DC is so high, but now the guards like them. Now the guards are on their side and the guards might let them get away with some stuff or, you know, and it, it's about how you then flavor that and role play that right that's been my opinion however seeing this this new set of rules has made me think that what we're getting and i think maybe this is the best way for me to put it in my brain what we're getting is wizards going hey everyone's been doing this stuff and we think it's good that you do this stuff so we're going to now explicitly tell people to do that stuff and right. that's one of these things. It's not right. all like that. I don't think it's all quite that. But there's a lot of that here, which is great because, hey, guess what? If you're running D&D 5e right now and you like it the way you run it, you're probably running it the way they're going to start telling you to run it because we've all been running it better than the way they write it. You right. know? Um, yeah, there's, there's an interesting <laughs> thing going on here. Uh, and you mentioned this earlier with... Um, this idea of backwards compatibility mm. uh, and and you mentioned this that it it was it's it's misleading marketing because this is not this is not uh backwards compatibility the way that we think about it with like consoles right mm. like mm. the PlayStation 4 is a new PlayStation it is not a PlayStation 3 so when people say, but don't worry, the, back, the PlayStation 4 will be backwards compatible with PlayStation 3 
games that puts people in the wrong mindset. That is not what this is. Mm. The, this is not here is the new Dungeons and Dragons. And you can play your old, outdated, not as good things on this new console. Because right? we can this do is, that anyway from any edition. Right. But what, what this actually appears to be is a patch. Hmm. Right. So so uh, wizard and not not a not like a patch across the entire game. It's a patch for a small little piece of the game. Um, and and what what now we'll be able to do is we'll be able to say, oh, you know what? I like the one D and D character creation rules for backgrounds. I'm going to use those, but I prefer the player handbook classes or I prefer the player handbook uh, feats Mm. or I prefer the player handbook eldritch invocations. Uh, And what what people will be able to do is they'll be able to say, I want version 1.00 of backgrounds, but I want to use cleric 1.0.1. Um, and we'll be able to kind of like build the the rule. We'll be able to pick and choose like a buffet, the little rule packets that we want to use mm. in our games. And and for most people, that's too much, right? Like yeah. for most people, the the new starter set of D and D, they're not going to say here are all the rules that have ever existed. Pick and choose the ones that you want. The new starter set, once all this is said and done, is going to be a homogenous thing that was designed to all be together. Um, and they're, and they're, they're not going to say, and go check out these other rules to swap them in and out. They're just going to say, this is what D&D is. But for everyone else, from what I can tell, this stuff is going to be very easily swapped in and out. The same way that, hey, do I want to use the ranger that's in the player's handbook or do I want to use the revised ranger? Do I Mm. want to use the blade singer that's in the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide or do I want to use the blade singer that's in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything? Um, We we will just kind of like kind of like a a Lego set, right? You you get a Lego set and uh, maybe it's a Star Wars X-Wing. And then you buy the Star Wars TIE Fighter set and you're like, you know what? I want to slap TIE Fighter wings onto my X-Wing. You can like go and do that. You know, there's, no, there's nobody stopping you from doing I'm that. I'm stopping anymore. you. Don't do that. That's disgusting. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, and I, I'm, I think it's really promising. Like I'm, I'm pretty tempted to be like, hey, Ben, do, do you want to like play test this one D&D stuff and let us swap out? are stupid, useless, like background things that are just taking up dead space on our character sheet and let us uh, just kind of like remod our characters with the mm. new background stuff just just to see what it's like, you know? So there's a couple things here. So first of all, on the playtest, I would like to do that. Mm. I have actually seen someone talk about their experience doing it. Um, again, pessimistic. It was on Reddit. What'd you expect? But yeah. um, to your point about 
the patches and things. I actually, my, I, I feel like maybe that's not the intention from Wizards. I mm. think that is how it will end up being used by the vast majority of people who have been in D&D for at least three years, I would say, minimum. Right. I think that is how it will go. They'll go, ah, well, I don't like the new feats. Ah, well, I don't, I don't like the old, I don't like the Ardling. I don't know why everyone hates the Ardling. Fine. <laughs> cool. What I think the intention of Wizards is, and you kind of touched on this with the, with the starter set analogy, is that these three new books, which will be the new player's handbook, the new Dungeon Master's Guide, and the new Monster Manual, I assume, will replace the three that we have. That's it. They will replace them. There will not be a, hey, you, could, you can get a feat, but you can pick it from the old book, because why would they do that? And I think... I don't, I don't feel like they will design it to work that way. I think anyone who is competent with a bit of mechanical work in D&D will be able to make that work. You and I would be able to be like, oh yeah, let's use the old alert feat. It's kind of more, kind of more cool, kind of bigger. Plus five to initiative, cool. But I don't think it will be designed to just swap those two out. Um, in the sense that I don't feel like, I mean, they might, they, they might do this. They could do this. If they do, I would, having seen the way they've done things recently, just make it a little a little side box and that would be it. It's just tucked away somewhere. But it'll be, hey, if you want to use the old um, races from 5th edition, then you just need to ignore the racial stat bonuses that you get and use them from the backgrounds instead. I don't think it'll be that simple. I think there will not be a massive amount of time and effort put into making it work that way backwards compatible because they're not building it for that. They're building it for new people. They're building it for new players to come in, buy whatever one D&D ends up being called, because, side note, fucking hate that name. Um, and they'll go, here's your, here's, your core, here's your core rulebook, new player. These are the rules. Use these rules. And that'll be that, which is fine. That makes sense. And in that sense, it kind of feels like a new edition, but that's not what they're calling it, and that's not what it feels like totally. But when we talk about that in terms of being a character and like, can I go back and use my old races and my old stuff without worrying about tinkering and things feels very similar to saying, Hey, you can go back and run tomb of annihilation or storm King's thunder. Now think about this. Cause this is something Joe pointed out in a conversation with me that was like, well, you pick up storm King's thunder. It's not just a story. It's got monster stat blocks, it's got magic items, it's got backgrounds and all that kind of stuff. If they're saying, hey, you can pick up Storm King's Thunder when whatever we end up calling it, one D&D, comes out and run it without much work, not no work, I don't think there'll be no work, but much work, it's designed for you to be able to do that, they must thus make the system able to work with the old stat blocks, the old magic items, and that stuff. Now. What that looks like, we have no idea. It could be a, a whole section of the Dungeon Master's Guide that's like, hey, here's how you do, quote, backwards compatibility. Um, if, a if an item comes in, think about this, this, and this. If a monster comes in, consider this, this, and this. Um, you know, the law is changing, right? They're constantly rewriting law. Well, the law in the old adventures isn't going to be the same as the law in, in 1D&D. &D. They're now with the tieflings in, in the... Um, first playtest material about how they're widely accepted everywhere. Um, great. 
that's not how it is in current adventures. So if you're reading an adventure and it says, oh, if you've got any tiefling characters and they turn up here, the barkeep's going to be really, really racist against them. I mean, it wouldn't say it like that, would it? But, you know, um, but then one D&D is saying that tieflings are widely accepted, you know, like that, that doesn't line up. The only way they can fix this in my eyes is by, and they are doing this, making their all-encompassing D&D platform, D&D Beyond. Oh, by the way, guys, we're updating all of the books that we've already previously put out there, which they do. They've done it before. They'll do it again. And um, we're changing them so that they're compatible with one D&D. Great. I mean, I'm, I don't like live service for that reason. I like to have the thing I bought and get stuff later. But what does that mean for everyone who bought physical? Are we just, we just ignoring that because it's not like they don't do new printings of physical books it's not like there isn't three five six versions of the bloody php out there that exists um so i don't know there's no matter what happens here there is a slight logistical nightmare and and again this is why all of our opinions will change because we don't know how it's going to go there's a slight logistical nightmare in how all of this is going to work and i think no matter what the one thing I'm taking away and the one thing I'm telling myself and everybody who will listen is that at the end of the day, we do what we've always done. We look at it, we read it, we take what we like. Dungeons and Dragons isn't what we buy, it's what we run at the table. And that is the most important thing I think we can all remember. Because at the end of the day, you can always just continue playing fifth edition. There are people who st- still play second. And that's why I'm really happy that they are, they're taking another tact because we mentioned this earlier, the new stuff that Wizards has been building, they, they, they created a foundation that was shaky, right? Like the balance in the player's handbook is shaky. We've had mm. 10 years to play test it we've recog- we know some things forget about even balance just the just from a, a game design perspective um it's shaky right backgrounds like this is way, this is way better <laughs> like the, the, like this approach at least of mm. saying yeah like write your background instead of choosing one of these 18 well, restrictive options now um, now i'm going to stop you there because i will forget but and I'm, I'm, I'm 90% sure on this, that in the player's handbook, it actually encourages you to write your own background with your DM. And then here are some options for you. But doing so is very difficult because yes. making your, making a unique uh, background ability that is mm-hmm. <laughs> equally useless <laughs> when compared <laughs> to other background abilities is really hard to do like like if some if a player wanted to do that with me first of all there would probably be like four back and forths because i'm Mm. sure anything that the player would come up with would be useful which right there there, that's a problem Mm. (laughs) compared Mm. to the default background options it's like no this has to be useless try again yeah it's like hey you you know about stone great yeah well even well even that is useful and that just comes with being a dwarf i'm talking Mm. about like um like nobility it's like you get you get uh you you have a house 
title. Yeah. yeah it's like great. that sometimes matters. Maybe we don't there's, know. <laughs> there's the, um, the, what, is it Sage? Either Sage or Acolyte. One of them gets the ability to just know where to find law. Or it's like, no, it's, it's like, uh, you get it, access to libraries or something like that. If you want to, if, if your party is visiting my, a library, you get to visit for free or something. My like war that. wizard has the <clears throat> thing of, um, if you don't know something, you mm. know how to find out. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, eh. it's I'm like, like the DM, okay, the DM needs that? to yeah. tell us how to find it out anyway. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on. It's like, uh, what, so, what do I say? Hey DM, I know how to find it. Okay. Go to a library. Right. Like, <laughs> thanks. So, so I, I love that they are finally after so many years being like, you know what? We could have done better. <laughs> and instead of slapping on the 40th race on top of race option mm-hmm. on top of this very shaky foundation that we have refused to patch with the exception of the ranger. <laughs> mm. They're finally coming back and they're being like, you know what? We should have just fixed the Valor Bard instead of making the Sword Bard and being yeah. like, no, the Valor Bard is perfect, but here's, here's a, this here's alternative Valor Bard that has a sword in its name. And but even though everybody's playing that Bard instead of the Valor Bard, we will not admit that the Valor Bard is a trap and that mm-hmm. player should not choose it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, finally, they're they're able to do things address serious problems it has it has been not worth it to heal characters since the dawn of dungeons and dragons yeah absolutely absolutely even if you're a life cleric should wait for your allies to go to zero hp and Mm -hmm. then with your bonus action cast healing word Mm -hmm. you shouldn't even take cure wounds like like it is the upcasting of cure wounds isn't effective um so like take take healing word and heal with bonus actions. Now they, they, because they're able to do this like first level feet thing, they finally have a feat that it's like, okay, you get to reroll all your ones when you're casting healing magic. That's a huge deal. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Upcasting there. When you, when you upcast healing word, there's a 25% chance on every single one of those die that it's going to roll one and you just get to reroll that die. That that is going to make and and of course. They made it apply to all classes because not just the cleric is the cleric isn't the only healing class like the dream druid is a very effective healing option. And this feat applies to that class as well. So I really love that they said, hey, guys, maybe we should like stop. Maybe we should instead of adding the 20th coat of paint to the exterior of this home maybe we should like replace some of the, the uh, like the floor yeah. yeah the floorboards and the foundation and and the leaks in the ceiling and the roof <laughs> like i i really appreciate that they're I, taking that perspective yeah i think yeah i yeah i i have so many things and i don't know where to start i think there's there's a lot going on in D&D as it is and i i feel like for me and i think this is where i have to kind of step back from myself like i have not had a problem with fifth edition in the sense that like i'm not saying five like when i say that i think people be like what you think five is perfect no 
I don't think five is perfect. And I think I may have been misconstrued as thinking that before. Mm. What I think and what my experience has been is that 5e is a great system and every time I find something wrong with it, I'm able to fix it. Great. That's my experience. And I've not had a major problem with that. I get people who say like, oh, but you know, I shouldn't have to fix it. I shouldn't have to make my own rule. I shouldn't have to do this. I shouldn't have to do that. There's always going to be an element of that. We're playing a game where you can do whatever you want with it. There's always going to be that element somewhere in there. Um, but I need to step back and remember that, oh, I'm not, I've been playing for over a decade. Of course, I know how to fix things. Of right. course, I know D&D and TTRPGs. New players don't do that or don't know that. Some people just aren't good at that. Like, so when I say, I look at this stuff and I immediately went, ah, oh, why are we, why are we have it? Like, why do we have to stipulate that? Why is that being like, because I've, you just, I've got, got to a point where I'm like, well, obviously that's how it's going to work. That makes sense. I haven't had the new player thing for a long time. And that's why I think it's so refreshing to go and run a game for brand new players. I remember I ran, um, I ran a session of Dragon Heist for a group that fizzled. Um, when my campaign of Dragon Heist was nearing its end, right? So two very different things. An experienced group who'd run the campaign and go all the way to the end. And then, oh, you guys want to play some D&D? Someone approached me. I was like, could you run us a game? And I was like, yeah, okay, fine. And then they broke up because they were brand new people trying D&D for the first time. But I offered them Dragon Heist at level one. And they were like, yeah. And they made so many strange choices. And it was so refreshing. And it was great. It was wonderful. Now, if any of them tried to run that game, it would have been an absolute disaster because they didn't know what I knew. Not that I'd run it before. Not that I, you know, had read the rule book six million times, but that I knew how to account for the, the oddities in the rule book. And I'm hoping, again, there'll always be some, but I'm hoping that this will just account for those. And so, and, and this is what will be annoying for me, when I pick up the finished book, whatever it is, I'll flick through it and I'll just be like, why am I reading this? I know all of this. Like, why, why is this something I've bought and I'm reading? Because I do it anyway. And you know what? That's a fucking good position to be in. Yeah, to know both and just to be able to choose what you prefer is, is a sweet spot, right? I don't think I will choose between. I think my... The way oh, I mean, feeling... I mean, like item by item. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, that's what I mean too. I don't yeah. think I will do that. I think I'm. Oh, I see. I think my, at least when it comes out, right when it when it releases, when it's done, I will grab it. I will read it. I will run it, and I'll run it as it is, and we'll experience that. But I don't think I don't really I don't want to be in a world because. <sighs> This is, this is that kind of thing where, like I say, oh, I don't want to be in a world where, oh, I'm using the revised ranger. I'm using the real ranger. I'm using this. I'm using that. I've got this version of that spell and he's got that version of that spell. I hate that. That's work, right? So I don't want to be in a world where I'm sat at a table with a group uh, or someone comes to join my table for the first time and I go, hi, 
Welcome to D&D. We're using um, 1D&D as a base, but we're using uh, this list of stuff for this thing, this mm-hmm. list of stuff for this thing. Oh, and by the way, if you want to, you can pick this thing, but you can only find it in that book. And it's it's only ever mentioned in that book. And it's that book only. So you need to buy that right. book for that one thing. Like, I don't want to have to cobble together my own version of D&D. So if it's good, which it looks like it might be, I mean, it's early days. I'll just, I'll just use it. And then I'll do the thing of, okay, we've got five homebrew rules and we use them. I mean, I could count the homebrew rules we run with now, you know, on one hand. So this, uh, this next thing I'm going to say is a little bit more of a stretch. Um, mm. So. Uh, Thank you for the warning. I, yeah. Yeah. Cause I know it's, it, trigger is a strong word. I know it's going to raise your eyebrows. <laughs> um, so my profession is software. Yeah. Uh, in software, uh, when you're when you're building an application, you have a dependency file. It's like a build file uh, where you declare like which technology you want to use for authentication, which technology you want to use for logging, which technology you want to use for um, like network protocols. Um, and you like go down this list of things that you want to use. And each and every one of these are marked by a version, which is their major version, their minor version, and their patch version. So when we think of edition 3.5, that's major version three, minor version five. Um, And then most software has a patch version. So there's an even Mm -hmm. uh, an extra level of delineation. And typically, unless you're programming in Java, um, you can pick and choose whatever versions of things that you want. Typically, you want to use the most recent version because it has secured it up. It addresses like security vulnerabilities, and it's typically faster, and the logging is better and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can choose whatever you want, and it's very easy to do so. You just specify the number, and then when you run your program, it uses the numbers that you've specified. Um, so what I'm imagining is. Uh, in a world where lots of people are running Dungeons and Dragons via D&D Beyond, as a dungeon master, as a power user, right? Somebody who just really wants that specific experience. You could go through this, this webpage that, like, that is all the different rules uh, that you would prefer to use. And we can already see this on the character creation sheet where it's like, do you want to use homebrew? Do you want to use Tasha's? Do you want to like where you can select into specific types of optional rules? Uh, so D&D Beyond already does this where the DM will make those selections. And then anyone who's playing in that campaign, like when they Google on their character sheet, oh, I want to use Fireball. The DM has already selected that version of Fireball that's automatically showing up as Fireball on mm-hmm. their sheet. Uh, so it's it's seamless, right? And, and, and this, this makes a lot of assumptions, right? It assumes that nobody wants to play pen and paper. It assumes yeah. that you're playing online instead of in person. Um, but in that world, which we know that Wizards of the Coast is, is investing in that virtual space mm-hmm. heavily, uh, in addition to right the tabletop experience, but they're really trying to make virtual the virtual experience wonderful and delightful. Mm. If you are using the virtual space, you're using D and D Beyond to play Dungeons and Dragons. Picking and choosing these things that you want 
uh, will be trivial. Like the dungeon master will have a, a default set the same way that you're like setting options when you open a video game and you're like, ah, well, what pixel rate do I want? What resolution do I want? Um, and for the players who are just showing up and trying to like build their characters and stuff like that, there's, it'll be even simpler than it is today because today it's the players who are deciding, oh, uh, what does this mean? Tasha's like variant ability scores. Oh, well, what, do I want to use the Rick and Morty rules? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. like all of that complexity you can take away from the players. Just the DM decides once. And for anyone who's building a character and playing that character inside that campaign, they just get a D&D experience. And whatever is there is what they get. And it's very simple and straightforward. So I understand I get you. So I'm, I'm understanding your vision now. Yeah. And I get why you like that idea. But I don't think that's what we're going to get because. I agree. Wizards have already. Look, so my, my. Personally, I think that's overcomplicating mm. for me. I think and, and I think wizards would see that as overcomplicating and being like, oh, God, anyone who's new is going to look at that and be like, ah, God, how do I set up a campaign? Well, that's what you put it. You put it behind the advanced settings. Title, right. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's work, right? They haven't yeah, given us yeah. shit. Well, that's why, they, that's why the spell books. needs to hire me <laughs> so <laughs> I can do all this coding for Jesus. Them. OK, here we go. <laughs> but my my thing is like. I don't think that will happen because I think, as I said before, wizards are going, hey, this is Dungeons and Dragons. This is it. It's, and using your version analogy, it's 1D&D. So let's call that version one. This is Dungeons and Dragons. Quietly. Version one. And then three years later, they go, hey, guys, we've taken all your feedback into account and we're updating 1D&D. It's great. Hey, this is D&D version two yeah and yep, that yep. and that'd be it they won't they won't say hey here's version one and version two because that's the same as going hey here's edition one here's edition two edition two is what we're supporting now edition one is now dead in the water but if you still want to play it still play it what they're going to do is go hey it's D forever to your to your point that's what developers do with video games right like so if right. we think about overwatch um the the developers will tweak different heroes in different patches. Uh, maybe in one peach, uh, peach in one, one peach. patch, uh, D.Va has her missile damage reduced and Soldier's healing pad heals mm-hmm. a little bit faster. And they only touched those two heroes in that one patch. But they don't, they don't release it as, hey, which version of D.Va do you want to play and which version of Soldier do you want to play? It's a balance patch, right? So it's yeah. like, no, this is Overwatch. You have yeah. to download the update if you want to play. You can't go back and play the version that once was. So we're on the same page here. The yeah. reason I think, so that, that's like the setup. The reason I don't think we're then going to get what you described as the, the ability to go and say, hey, um, my players can use this fireball rather than this fireball. And even having the option to choose which one on a platform like Beyond is because look at what they're already doing. They went... Hey guys, we're changing how we make um, monster stat blocks work. Um, they they don't have spells anymore. They don't have spell slots. They just have once a day, twice a day abilities. I, as Ben, I don't like that. I like that my monsters have spell slots and things. I think that's more robust and and gives me more freedom to kill my players with, right? And put challenges in front of them. 
but on D&D Beyond, what they did was they went, so we're, we're doing this, by the way, just FYI, we're doing this. Um, and then we woke up the next morning and all of the stat blocks were changed. And if you didn't have a copy of Volo's guide, if you didn't have a copy of, I don't know, whatever the other one was that they got rid of, you couldn't buy it anymore. And if you did have a copy, it's now slightly grayed out in asterisks and it's hidden under the defunct section because they don't want people to use that. That's why I don't personally like live service systems because I like, I like, I bought the thing that I liked and now you've changed it, um, yeah. which is, which yeah. is fine. Yeah. Change it by all means. If you, if you, if, if that's the route that you're taking, change it, but don't take away my choice, which I guess they haven't done because they've put the redunct version there. And, but that's what I think D, one D and D will be. It will be, Hey guys, we've got, we're ready to, to give, we've, we've done some work on it and we've, we've listened to you and we're going to make it better. The update's going to happen on this day. And then that's it. It happens. And you don't get to choose later down the line. And that's why I don't think we'll also get a point on D and D beyond where they're like, Hey, um, when you're setting up a campaign, choose whether you want to use 5e materials or not. I mean, they might, because we already have 5e on D and D beyond. It's not, they're going to take all the 5e books away from people, but they're not going to be like, Hey, uh, when you're setting up a campaign, specifically select it every time. Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. And for what it's worth, I think you're right. (laughs) So, so I, based on what I saw with how they handled monsters and how they completely just didn't even, uh, they still haven't commented, deigned to comment about how these new stat blocks interact with the Oath of the Ancients aura, which Mm -hmm. halves spell damage Mm -hmm. and is like the key feature of that paladin subclass um how it interacts with mage slayer the mage slayer feat um it makes me that that's why i was such a doomsayer back Mm. before this most recent wonderful uh tome descended from the heavens to to put some of my concerns to rest uh because it seemed a little bit slapped together um, yeah. And what I hope, what I hope is that Wizards of the Coast felt that uncomfortableness and, and took the valid criticism that did exist on, and does exist online and was like, we can't just put another coat of paint on the mm. monster manual mm. and pretend and just slap together the monster manual. We need to go back to the basics. And like rebuild this thing from the ground up. Counterspell sucks right now. You can very easily counterspell like an eighth level spell with a third level spell slot and the use of your reaction. Um, and and uh, there are many attempts to fix it online. Wizards, it would be great if you could just make it not suck anymore <laughs> and put all of that to rest. However, <laughs> however I think no matter what, there's gonna be. That there, there's going to be things like that in this. There's always going to be things like that um, in in a game as big as D and D. But maybe with the new direction, we'll see those things getting addressed more because they'll have a way to address it. Now, right? What does that mean for printed books? I have no idea. Do we? Are we just going to stay in the same world where we get an etera and that's it? Um, and then a new version of the book gets printed. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, fine, fine by me. I mean, if they're moving into a world where we get a digital copy when we buy a physical copy, wonderful. 
that sounds like an ideal world for me. I think everybody agrees with that. I mean, look at, and again, I don't, I don't want to sit here jerking off Artal Zorian for The Witcher. I do love that system. They have their Pestle and Mortar program. If you go into a hobby store and you buy a physical Witcher TTRPG book, you say to the the, the person, hey, do you guys take part in the, in the Pestle and Mortar system? And they go, yeah, we do. And you go, cool, here's my email address. And then you get a PDF version as well. Amazing. Great. Wonderful. And I know that the reason the D&D wasn't doing that was because Beyond was owned by Curse and it was, you know, all this thing. They own it now. Let's, let's hurry up and do it. Let's, and it looks like we're getting there. So maybe that's the route that they take. Uh, I don't know. None of us know. We're all speculating. Um, and that's, that's, that's fun and not fun at the same time. But we'll see. We'll just see, I guess. Can we? <laughs> I, I'm hopeful. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. I think I, I agree that in, in a system as complex as Dungeons and Dragons, I think it is not scalable to say we'll be able to print this once and yeah. we'll never need to change it. And that was the that was the world that they were operating in for the last 10 years. Like wizards that like people would do sage advice, right? Where they're like, mm-hmm. how is this supposed to work in this weird fringe case? And it was never the case that the the developers had the humility to say, oh, you know what? I didn't think of that. Um, but if I had to make a ruling, this is what it would be based mm-hmm. on what I think. No, it was always with this. Uh, this Here's how it obviously of, was meant to work. This how did you how not know written? that? Right, yeah. exactly. Like, and it's like, and we thought of this this weird fringe case that has mm-hmm. never mattered before, uh, and that's why we wrote it this way. No, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I I appreciate this this departure from that, and and a willingness to be like. Yeah, if we could probably around. tweak some things. <laughs> what if was that? it's if it sticks around, mm, because yeah, I, I mean, feel the like backlash. The backlash online has been insane, and I wanted to talk about this. I think closer to the beginning, mm-hmm. um, just the the use of hyperbole right now in the in the YouTuber space and the Reddit um, oh comment Reddit space right is just is insane. It, yeah. People people are acting like their house was just burned to the ground. Uh, like they're using language and, and energy that is so over the top to, to discuss these things that are pretty tame. Uh, Do you like know what things. though? Like yeah. there's, I, I understand the reaction to core rules changing because they're like, because there's a, there's a knee jerk reaction to be like, ah, everything I know is changing. And then when you actually look into it, it it's not. Right. Right. As we've said, the ones that confuse me. And I don't know if this is going to come off poorly. So bear with me here. I was on Twitter the other day. Yeah, (laughs) I was on Twitter the other day and I saw there's a meme going round where it's like, you know, where it's like two panels and it's like two columns of panels and one is text and one is like a reaction and it gets Mm. better and better and better. And then the last one is like, it's really bad. And it was like talking about how like tieflings have got a rewrite and then that tieflings are now, are, are now um, this kind of better. And then it's just like, oh, and all of the hells, not all of the the lower planes, not just the hells have had a rework. Oh, it's amazing. And then the last one where it's like, oh, it's, it's actually shit in this meme. Is it saying that they're widely accepted everywhere? And I was like, I looked at that and I went, ha ha ha, funny, because it's a meme. And then I went, oh yeah, that is a bit 
that is a big departure from the tieflings that we know and love. I kind of like that the tieflings have an air of like chaos to them. In my in my stories, that's always been an interesting thing in my experience. And again, we have to think about our own experiences. At my table, when a player has played a tiefling and they've gone, oh yeah, but you know, I'm 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 a tiefling from the hells, so uh, you know, I'm a bit scary looking, and people might be a bit off put by me. I go, oh cool, yeah. I mean, you literally. You look like a devil. So that makes sense. De- people think devils are evil. Yeah, cool. Let's play with that. And it's been interesting for story, right? So I can understand why people would be like, oh, but now they're widely accepted. That cool thing's gone away. But the response to that meme were people being like, oh my God, you're racist. You like racism in your games. And I'm like, fucking hell. It's not what I said. What I said was I like this, this narrative juncture that the, this, this race is... It, it, it has these these interactions. Not that I like racism, but it makes an interesting so, story. Yeah. So, so I have a lot of thoughts about yeah. that. <laughs> so, so let me let me pick into it. Um, so Ariel, uh, I I had very strong polar uh, thoughts uh, Ariel about this is sort of stuff. Your co-host on your podcast, right? Exactly. Yeah. And Ariel really helped me to understand more of the nuance around this. Okay. Um, let me let me start by saying that no constructive uh, progress has ever been made on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter is where Twitter is where people go um, to, to shout into the void, to shout into the void and be told by bots and uh, and people who might as well be bots that they're right. And uh, usually a comparable number of people. And bots will show up and yell at them that they're wrong at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Uh, and that's what happens on Twitter. Um, it happens on Reddit, too. Don't worry. So on Reddit, the conversation is typically a little bit more constructive or at least mm. uh, thoughtful. And th- this is my thoughts about it. In my game, in my narrative, I like that there is conflict. Mm. I like that there is conflict that is thought provoking, thought provoking conflict or one flavor of that is conversations about race and heritage uh, and and legacy. Mm. Um, And tieflings have that baked into them as a race. And I think that that is that generates interesting story as opposed to. Uh, for people who uh, don't have any heritage uh, and everybody likes every race likes each other equally. They've never had uh, like a kerfuffle or like a clan war or a dispute Mm -hmm. over boundaries that boiled over into like clan conflict. And now the this group of people just dislikes this other group of people Um, like like that stuff is useful for telling interesting stories. Um, and it, it feels like people have a complete inability to, to, to recognize that that's what it's there for. Um, yeah. It, but so Ariel also, but then Ariel helped me to understand this a little bit. Um, so if, if you're someone who experiences uh, discrimination uh, based upon race, in your everyday life, I totally understand your desire to use Dungeons and Dragons to escape that piece of your reality. 
Like you would prefer for the conflict, the interesting narrative that's emerging in your game to be uh, related to the plot, uh, maybe related to like um, humanity versus nature Mm -hmm. um, or like prevailing over the wilds as opposed to like inter uh, humanoid conflict in of that flavor. And you just you just want to escape from that thing that's really shitty in your life for a few hours. and. By wizards putting it in the book, it gives other players that jumping off point to be like, oh, you're a tiefling, even in a respectful way to like to to bring that conflict into the game. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like, oh, this would be this would be so interesting. It reflects our, our real world realities in this cool way. And we could explore this concept with fantasy races that are totally made up. Yeah. Um, so like it doesn't have that really disgusting baggage attached to it. Uh, I'm going to bring this up to this player and 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 it, it could just be a player who's like the third player off to the side and just has to watch it play out. That is now reliving that mm. shitty day that they had at work or or that encounter that they had that they came to the table to leave behind them. And I totally empathize with that view. Um, but it really does feel like Wizards is like removing the teeth from a lot of stuff about their setting that that was interesting. Right. right. Like, like, I think it's more interesting that chromatic dragons are always evil than it would be if um, if you never know which what you're going to get when you if make them. you never yeah. know. Yeah, because then when you're allied with a chromatic dragon and the chromatic dragon is doing something that helps your party there is so much dramatic tension right Mm -hmm. it's like when is this innately evil being going to betray us and that that drama of that is awesome for your game that tension and then the resolution of that tension is is sick and i don't want wizards to keep removing the teeth the the kind of some of the bite from all of their material um, but I totally understand that um, yeah. there are yeah. some places where where perhaps the experience is improved by removing it. So, yeah, that is a fantastic breakdown from yeah. from you via Ariel. Yeah, and that's that's all Ariel. That's not me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I yeah. I'm I'm on board with it. I understand it. I I agree. I get it. Um, and again, I'm a somewhat middle-aged white man from the South of England, right? You're not getting any younger, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) My life has not been difficult in those ways. Right. And it, and it never will be right. I understand that. So I also understand that I can't, I can, I can sympathize. I can never understand. I think is probably the, the the best way to put it. Like I can I can have sympathy, but I can't. I'm never going to truly understand that because I've never. Experienced I can never it. remember which word is right. Right, like sympathy. It's sympathy yeah, and empathy. It's, one of the two is that you have experienced it, and that's why you feel for the other person. And mm-hmm. the other one is that you can imagine it, and that's why you feel for the other person. And I yeah, I don't know which yeah, one's never, right. So it's one of the which. two though. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but it's the one saying, that's right? right is the one that we mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. But I, I agree with you 
because I what I th- because I think of D and D as a, as a storytelling device. I think, well, I'm never going to pick up a book that doesn't have interesting themes. Like I love media that tackles hard hitting topics and things. I mean, I, I fucking hell, how there is no way for me to get on that level with my life experiences. Like, let's, you know, like, sure, someone who has suffered from an eating disorder or from some form of mental uh, illness or, you know, someone who's had bipolar disorder, who has bipolar disorder, might not want to consume a piece of media that is about someone with bipolar disorder because that that would be difficult, right? I understand that. That's not me. I don't have that experience. So I can happily enjoy that piece of media and and i can find the the, the themes and the, the topics and the the hard-hitting stuff i can that that's thought-provoking for me and it doesn't hit me in any spots there are things that i can't watch because they do hit me in spots that i can't i don't want to i don't want to think about i don't want to go there that's that i've had that experience i don't want to be there so i get it but i look at D D as this this narrative storytelling focus and i think okay cool it's and as you've pointed out through via ariel great it's fantastic that they're going to put it in the book which means that people have that perspective but does that mean that there's now gonna be none of that conflict and that thought like is it is dnd gonna go 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 to a place where they're gonna say hey maybe we shouldn't do thought-provoking content and I think that's the problem, right? So, so the problem is that wizards or the challenge, the thing that is sticky about this, mm. um, wizards isn't saying what I just said, mm. right? Wizards isn't saying this shouldn't be in your game by default. You should decide to include this type of conflict in your game based on what the people at your table are comfortable with and interested in and exploring. Have a session what Wizards is, Right, exactly. What Wizards is doing is they're just removing it mm. and they're saying why they're removing it from a, like why it didn't pass the sensitivity readers, right? The, sensitiv- the sensitivity readers flagged this as being triggering for a population of people uh, so we're removing it that like that's what they're saying and the 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 challenge there is an implication that by omission wizards is saying you can't have this in your game anymore or you shouldn't have this type of conflict in your game anymore when i brought this type of conflict to uh tomb of annihilation the players, we needed to have a long conversation. I think it was like a two hour conversation or an hour and a half conversation after the session about, about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like the players were totally taken aback, not because then we got, to, we got to this route after a long conversation, not because they personally uh, like weren't interested in exploring that type of conflict at the table, more so they were kind of like, well, it doesn't say that in the book, so it's not true. 
or mm-hmm. like um, or like it. That's not the way tieflings work. And as opposed to like, do we are we interested in exploring this at the table? It was more of a like, hey, Wizards is removing this from the game. So you can't do that. Mm-hmm. That's not canon here. Like tieflings aren't from a, like an infernal bloodline like anymore or like that sort of stuff or like drow aren't evil anymore so you can't insinuate that drow are evil like it's Mm. it is the the lack of clarity and nuance from wizards is creating this weird disconnect where people who are interested in exploring these themes and topics in their games feel like they can't because the signaling is don't do this anymore this is wrong yeah because there's there's a difference between taking racism as as an example because that's kind of what we're talking about with tea things and, and this situation there's a difference between being racist <laughs> in your games and in your in your stories and 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 just being a bad person mm-hmm. and telling a story that has those themes and i get like the other one that the, the, the other one that always annoys me and this isn't about like racism or anything like that it's like when people say like well it's a fantasy world why would you want why would you want to have that and it's like well why wouldn't i because right if the world was perfect there'd be no story to tell right right um and that's fine if and this is what we say this is what you've been saying you have to have a conversation with the people at the table because if you don't want to tell a story about that includes racism or I don't know, let's, let's say it's sexism, right? Right. Uh, Maybe you don't want to tell a story that features that because it's, it's not something you're interested in exploring. You don't want to talk about that stuff. Fine. Have the conversation about it. Then you don't tell that story. Don't just turn up and tell the story and then deal with it afterwards. That's the wrong way to go about it. And that's how you upset people and you hurt people by doing that. Um, and the flip reverse is don't just, have it in your game for no reason like i would never sit down with a campaign i'd written and a world i'd written with players and be like oh you're playing a tiefling cool everyone's gonna hate you because they're all racist to tieflings why oh, just because just because conflict in it no <laughs> no that's not what i'm saying why <laughs> did i get you there right <laughs> i think you get more british the more worked up you <laughs> yeah i, I absolutely i absolutely 100 um it's, it's not that it's not that at all what i'm saying is if you want to tell a story that includes the themes of i don't know maybe it's maybe it's racism maybe it's sexism you know maybe it's something a little bit more nuanced or whatever there has to be a reason and it has to be for the right reason. If I have two tieflings in a party and the rest of them are human and there's, a, there's you know, the players come to me and they go, hey, how are tieflings viewed? And I say, well, they're devils and people think devils are evil. So there's a little bit of negativity there and, and it does kind of border on racism. And they go, oh my God, that's really interesting. We could tell a story about equality and, and fighting that. I'm in. Yes, 100%. Let's do that. If they came to me and went, so everyone hates tieflings. So I just get to be, I just get to be angry at everyone because everyone hates me. And I get to use, I just, it just gets to be a thing that's part of my character. I'd be like, no, because then we've just got a thing that is a real world problem in our game for no betterment. Like let's, let's, let's learn a lesson from it, right? Let's tell a story that's worth telling about it has positive connotations not negative ones and that's where that idea of like being deliberate about like what what do you what themes do you want Mm -hmm. to explore in your game like like decide don't don't um 
And that doesn't need to be, that doesn't always have to be in session zero. Like sometimes opportunities for themes naturally kind of arise yeah. in your games. It's, it's an improvisational game. Um, but like be deliberate. Um, like if there's someone at the table who like expressed with you in session zero that they don't want to have that type of conflict in the game for very reasonable reasons mm. and a player brings that into the game session four, maybe they, they really just forgot or they don't even realize what mm. they're doing. As the DM, you can be like, hey, just a heads up, like remember session zero, we said we were going to like steer out of this. Uh, so that. let's fade yeah. to black here and, uh, and like, and we'll, we'll wrap back to the, the other conflict that we were just exploring. Like you have that power too. Yeah. Um, yeah. More, more reasonable to do, I think, when you're running uh, for strangers or at like a convention. Um, because you there's there's less of that friendship bank account that you can mm. withdraw against. Like if you if you're if your friends know who you are, they've known you for the last 10 years, they know the type of person you are, you'll be able to inject things into your game that aren't who you are with more flexibility because your players are like, oh, Ben is telling a story about this, not Oh, Ben is is telling me how he feels about oh, this. Oh, via Ben's not saying <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but I did want to circle because there was a, a good opportunity to circle back to one D and D real quick. Um, yeah, I was about which, to say we've really fallen away from it now. Right, which is um, which is that some of the rules don't strike me as straight up improvements. They mm. strike me more as uh to taste um so an example there would be the the change that they've made to critical hits so you um, have just hit the thing i was about to go to because i was about perfect. to say like we haven't we haven't even looked at like we, we're at the point now mm -hmm. where we, we should probably start closing but we um we haven't even looked at the actual pdf the one pdf that's out which is probably a good thing because more of them are going to come over time, but there are things in here. There's so many walkthroughs out there. Like, you know, like, exactly. if, you want, if you want to walk through it and you don't want to read it, you just want to hear about it. There's like 30 people that oh my did God. that. Also. You'll find it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but there are things in here that like that, that exist that I look at and I go, huh, I don't, I don't love that. Yeah. And this, this is where, and you know, thinking back to what we've talked about within this hour and a half that we've been talking, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know, there are things in here that we, you as, as a DM, you and I, who have played this game for over a decade, look at it and go, yeah, cool, but I'm not going to do that. And there's mm -hmm. stuff in 5e that we do that with now. Let's, I mean, Jesus, my, at my table, one of the, the one things that I can count on my hand that's homebrew at our table is that if you're playing a sorcerer, you can choose my source of variant class, which uses mm -hmm. spell points. And it's not the same as the, the Sorcerer in the PHB because I used that for years and then I went, do you know what? This doesn't hit the flavor of the Sorcerer from second edition and that's what I want. Right. So I made something. Um, and Crits is a great example of that. So in the PDF, I'm trying to find which page it's on. I think it's a little bit, it's after the background. Page 19. Page 19, thank you. Oh, look at you. So the, the two big changes they made are, um, from what I understand and what I've read, is yeah. that uh, you can only crit if you're physically hitting somebody. So that's yeah. with a, a sword or like a weapon. A or weapon an or unarmed strike. strike. Yeah. So monks can still crit with their unarmed strikes. Um, I mean, I mean, are monks going to be in the next edition of D&D? &D? No one plays them anyway. 
They're going to make them so much better, man. They're going to fix the monk. Of course they are. They're going to fix the monk. That's all this Um, is for, just the monk. Yeah, yeah. Well, so without digressing too (laughs) far, now they finally have a chance to be like, you know what, guys? We did kind of botch the monk, so we can fix it now. Stunning Strike is like too good some of the time and totally useless the rest of the time yeah, it's yeah. never fun for everyone at the table bad design anyway, anyway so, so you I can only <laughs> you only get your crit damage on a weapon or unarmored strike anything else doesn't crit right so, so the spells implication here is that well yeah spells don't crit um and if you're a paladin your smites aren't critting anymore if you're a battle master your maneuvers aren't are like that damage from the maneuver isn't doubled if you're a rogue your uh sneak attack damage isn't doubled anymore big sad uh, your your what was that big sad big sad so people so this is the only thing that i've seen in the document that is a that is wizards in my opinion being brave Mm. This is the only thing that Wizards did that I think was a brave thing by saying we're going to make some things not as good, like way not as good as they were in the past. This is a huge nerf to the Paladin. Mm. So like so if I were to play, if we were to start playing with this rule, playtesting this rule at your table, that would be a huge bummer right like like, and and, you know i mentioned how i saw someone who had play tested it with a group this was mm. one of the things they talked about and they said the fact that they couldn't double you know get double damage die on every Mm -hmm. damage die was they they hated it they didn't like it they were like this sucks well that i think is it's interesting right because so this is where the things start to get tricky because Mm. we haven't seen the one D &D version of the rogue and we haven't seen the one D&D version of the Paladin. Yeah. So, so it, I would imagine that to compensate for this change, smites are going to just get a little bit juicier, probably, mm. because people were holding smites for crits a lot of the time. So it's, it's not just... Well, yeah, five, have, it, it wasn't like, just 5% of your smites were doubled. You were holding smites for criticals crit fishing is a thing right that's you have right. builds that are specifically built for that right so same like with you, the barbarian th- yeah exactly so so all that's to say is uh th- this this is a this is a nerf i i commend them for doing this um not because i like it but because i think it is it's it brave. was brave of them yeah. like the ba- they knew they were going to get backlash for this and we'll have to see what they are, what they buy with that, like that currency, right? Of being like, oh, okay, this sucks until we can release the thing that explains why we did this. But also this is a great opportunity to, to say that this is where we as a community need to be vocal because right. they're asking for the feedback for this before the next bit comes out, right? So they want us to say how we feel about it as they've presented it now. So if you don't like it, Fill out the fill out the survey after you've playtested. Don't be a twat. Actually playtest it. Don't just fill out the survey with your thoughts. Try it and say, hey, I don't like this because of these reasons. And then if the next thing comes along and it fixes it, you can then say in that response, hey, this thing I said I didn't like, I now like. Or you can say, do you know what? No, I still don't like it. Everything in this document and everything in all of the documents that we are going to get is subject to change. 
Something that I love about this change, though, as a game designer, as somebody who makes and publishes content for D&D, mm. is that for the first time ever, critical hits, you can actually produce content for critical hits. Because in the past, crits were so good mm. that if you fiddled with them even a little bit, you would totally throw off the current air quotes like balance of the game, right? So if you make if you make crits a little bit harder to get, you've just nerfed paladins and rogues like crazy. It's it's not good content. If you make them, if you release a feat that expands critical range by mm. one point, that's hugely game changing. Mm. Like like of course the rogue is going to pick that up as a varying human. Varying human expanded crit range. Awesome. Yeah. You've just Same. Yeah. doubled the strength of the rogue now for the first time ever uh because crits aren't nearly as crazy as they used to be we can actually like like a, a totally reasonable first level feat would be expanded crit range so i have like, something on that yeah so the thing that i don't like about the change to crits which is the other thing that they've changed mm. is that monsters now don't crit so mm. only player characters crit. I think I this is this is a separate thing, but yes, yeah. totally. Yeah. So I personally, like, just to be really quick about it, I don't like that because uh, I I like that my players can be. I like the game side of D anD D that my players can be prepared. They can they can have a plan. They can go in, and if the dice don't roll their way, they they get scared because the monsters crit them, and suddenly they're down to half hit points in one turn. Like that is fun for me and my players and my table as a as a game part of D&D. So what's the easy fix? Well, as we've said, we who play D&D a lot and know what we're doing just go, oh, cool, okay, monsters don't create anymore. Not on my table. Close the book. Guys, just so you know, we're keeping the fact that monsters can also create. Done. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Great. However, to come to your point about how like now as a designer, we can play with crits a bit more. The thing that I saw on the Unearthed Arcana subreddit was the, someone suggested a monster critical hits rule, which was that when a monster scores a crit instead of, or in addition to, depending on how hardcore you want to be rolling double damage die, they can, um, the way they wrote it was, uh, the, the DM can decide that the target is forcibly moved by the attack or that the target suffers a condition such as grapple poisoned or prone which I think suddenly makes that that thing of crits more interesting, especially in a rule set where rolling a 20 automatically succeeds on everything. That makes crits more interesting. Um, someone came back in it saying like, oh, this would be good if these were like specific things that could be on the stat, on the stat block. So like, for example, it would on the stat block for the bandit or something, it would say critical colon prone, right? Oh, if this, if the bandit scores a critical hit, the target goes prone um, on a, big hairy ape monster critical colon grappled till the end of the turn the creature's grappled that's an interesting change to crits that i would like to see rather than just straight up are oh, the pcs are better they can crit monsters can't and just riffing off you we could do this for player characters also yeah like the rogue a feature of the rogue might be that your sneak attack damage doubles on a crit Mm. That might just be at the like the sneak attack block might say on a critical roll twice as many as many sneak attack damage. Mm. The paladin, it could be at the end of the divine smite thing that says on a critical roll one more 
like divine smite die because they they don't want it to be as exploitable as it yeah. was but they still want it to feel really freaking good <laughs> like so like there's still so much there's just more flexibility from a game design perspective here mm-hmm. now and that's only a good thing in my opinion like this rule does not preclude 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 people from like still doing it the way that it always was done um but what it does do and i think this was their intention with this rule is it makes combat significantly less swingy um particularly against the players right so it's like a single goblin isn't going to wipe out your entire player car- player party because your players couldn't roll above a 10 which totally happens right yeah, like we've both yeah. seen it where all none of the players can roll higher than a 10 and the goblin rolls three criticals and like mm-hmm. wipes out everyone <laughs> in the party um which is mathematically possible and with the number of people that are playing dungeons and dragons it's guaranteed to happen in at least one table unless the dm starts to change things behind the screen which we never do no um, why what what are you talking about? So, it, so if anything, Ben, what I think this change allows folks like you and me to do is we no longer need to pad our encounters from a planning mm. perspective with that. What if my monsters crit a bunch that like zone where it's like, oh, I would have added a sixth goblin, but five feels right. Because this could always really go against the players. And my game sense says that five is right instead of six, because who knows what could happen. Now you can throw in that sixth goblin because uh, crits are not a thing that you need to plan for, which in general is going to lead to a more balanced fight. Um, but which I, uh, you, you, can, you can hit that sweet spot a lot easier if you're not I... worried about the possibility of crits. I half agree. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of those things that fi- that's going to help new DMs more than it's going to help me. And, act- yeah. and actually for me, I, I like the, the swinginess. I like mm-hmm. the, I like how random it is that, Oh, uh Oh, now you're bleeding out on the floor. What are you going to do about it? I like that. And I, that's the, that's the type of D and I run, right? You know? The, 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 where I don't like, players being massively powerful Mary Sue's, unless that's what I'm going for. Princes of the Universe, which is a campaign preference of, you know, a concept that I've built, it is built around them being ridiculously the more powerful. The game that you'll run 15 years from now, after we've played Odyssey of the Dragon Lords, Tomb of Annihilation, Part 2, we've gone back to your homebrew world that you've created, and then we'll play Princes of the Universe. Can we, can we not call me out? <laughs> oh that's right we we talked about this before the show guests yeah. are explicitly yeah, not allowed have to, to contradict nice to me ben. you have you must to be pay nice. deference thank you i agree with everything that ben puts thank forward you. as an argument i will I, but it, it was it was a concept that i for a campaign in Spider-Man, but i the, love it i the, hope the, it gets right. prioritized ahead some of, of some of the other stuff that you had planned oh don't worry it is However, <laughs> it, it, the whole point of that is that the players are, are massively powerful and I've built it that right. way. In normal circumstances, I don't want them to be cakewalking everything. I want the world to scare them. So yeah. Monster Criticals does that for me. But that's a personal thing. Um, Ray, we really need to stop talking. And Ooh, I, yeah, I, wow, I feel, yeah, I feel like we've 
um, we've only scratched the surface. And yeah. Yeah. here is the best bit, right? There's more playtests coming. So mm, I'm excited to see them. I want to see what they do with the. I want to see what they do with the ranger. I want to see what they do with the monk. I really want to see what they do with the fighter. Mm. I mean, look, this might become a little mini series here on the uh, on the network where we just sit down and talk about the the one D and D stuff as and as and when it comes out. But um, in the meantime, let's leave it there. There's there's so much going on and so little going on too, and that's how I think I can sum up how I feel. But again, I'm gonna I'm gonna close here the topic. On the thing that I said earlier, which I think is the most important thing, Dungeons and Dragons is not what we buy, it's what we run at the table. You have that control. And that's the thing I think we should all remember as we read this stuff, as we fill out the playtests, as we talk to each other on the internet. We're all human beings, we all have different life experiences. Don't be a fucking idiot. Be nice to each other. And just... Oh. Enjoy the game. Alright? It's not what we buy. It's what we run at the table. Ray, where can people find you on the internet? Running Off the Rails. It's a podcast about Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, You can find it on anywhere that podcasts are listened to. And runningofftherails.com as well. And if you're looking for, we have quite the backlog. So if you're looking for an episode to dive into, um, there is an episode titled Escapism, which goes into more detail about uh, what Ben and I talked about earlier in the episode, which is being deliberate about the conflict that you want to bring to your game uh, such that you are not ripping your players out of their escapist experience. I'm actually also going to suggest another episode of yours. Um, I don't know what the title is off the top of my head because it was a while ago. It was last year we recorded it. But um, one that I guessed it on where we talked about Dark Vision. One mm, of, one of yes. my favorite conversations I've ever had around Dark Vision in D&D. And I'm, I'm still annoyed to this day that it wasn't on a We Speak Common episode. So um, I don't know if you know what title or what number that is. but um, I, think it's, I think it's darkness is the first word. Of the or running darkness in something D&D. like that, yeah. Go and yeah. find for, that episode. For That's crazy. A really we speak common fans like so, like myself, people who have listened to all of the episodes and some episodes more than once. Um, ben is on, I think, a number of episodes, at least four. Mm. Uh, so go and find those episodes that mm. he joined us on. But that one is a. I was on form that it day. It was a, that was a great episode. Ben so, brought his uh, a game. Yeah. Yeah. Go yeah. and listen to that. Uh, for more We Speak Common, of course, you know where we are. We Speak Common on, uh, on at We Speak Common on Twitter, on Instagram. We Speak Common Pod on Facebook. We are uh, on all podcasting platforms, as you know, um, including um, Amazon Music. I don't think we talk about that one often. We are on Amazon Music. If you've got that, hey, go and, go and get us there. Um, but here, wherever you are right now, in the description below, you can find our wonderful partners who we haven't talked about as much as we normally would because it's a bonus episode. So please check out Dice Dungeon and describe. Supporting them supports us. And if you want to support the show and more stuff like this, the ability to just randomly hop on and do extra content that takes time. And we've been sat here for a couple of hours, right? Um, if you want to support more of that, the best way to do it is by supporting the We Speak Common Patreon. There's a link in the description below. It's pinned on our social medias. Um, and hey, you get access to the best place on the internet, the We Speak Common Discord server. 
as a patron supporter, which gets you so much content. It's ridiculous, if I do say so myself. Uh, you can join it as a free member. We call you commoners. If you want to jump on there, there's a link to that below too. Um, and as ever, if you don't have any money to give over, hey, <laughs> I live in the UK. There's a cost of living crisis. I know how hard it is right now. That's okay. The next best thing you can do I don't say that flippantly either, Ray. It's, it's, well, we're all dying over here. It's not great. Um, Melissa and I are fleeing Boston and, and moving to Maine because the cost of living is, is rising in mm. the United States as well. Mm. It's, uh, it's, it's fun times. But hey, when we're all living in caves, we'll still have our D&D books. Those of us who bought them it's physically, true. of course. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to be elitist. Um, <laughs> I need to stop. Uh, if, if the next best thing you can do is to just share us with D&D people that you know and love. So do that for me, please. Um, Ray, thank you so much for letting me eat up a massive chunk of your time tonight. Thank you, Ben. This conversation has been eating me up inside as I've been browsing the internet and seeing all these salacious titles about one D and D. I'm like, Oh, I need to talk to someone about this. And you're like, save it for the episode. Don't, don't blow it. <laughs> save it for the conversation we'll have on Tuesday, yeah. Monday or whatever day it is. Um, I think, yeah. it, I think it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. I'm <laughs> losing track. Like... We're moving and, and the days are starting to blend together. Now. Oh mate. I know the pain. All right, buddy. Well, thank you very much. And, uh, wait, when the next playtest material comes out, we'll, we'll do it all again. Oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait. I'll see you, Ben. See you later, mate. Bye. Thanks for listening to the We Speak Common Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a review on your platform of choice and share us with a friend or D&D group near you. If you'd like to directly support the network and the production of new shows like the one you heard today, head to the description of this episode or our social media pages for a link to our Patreon page. You can connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at We Speak Common. The network theme is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is held under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. You can find it on the Free Music Archive.